Well, I am excited to be here, and as Eric had mentioned, uh, friends with Brad, and interesting enough, is really got connected to Brad about 11 years ago. I was meeting with a, a guy from a church planning organization in Kansas City, and there was a, a mutual friend of Brad's at this lunch, and, and that guy is looking at me, he says, hey, you need to connect with my buddy, Brad, in Tulsa. And that's how we initially connected and, and over the last you know, decade have been able to connect in a variety of ways. The last couple of years have, have been pretty faithful and intentional about doing coffee uh, about once a month. And, and he has kind of really been a big part of encouragement and support just through, through me as I have transitioned uh, out of uh, lead pastor role just a few months ago and helped me work through all those feelings and emotions and is this God, is this bad Mexican food, what is this? Uh, he has been, been great walking with me uh, through that. And, and I, I wanna, want you to get to know me just a little bit very quickly. This is like shotgun, but hopefully you will be able to pull something that you know, you know me just a little bit deeper through this. And here's the first thing is I love Swedish fish. And I'll put, I'll put on top of that I love circus peanuts, which are the, the orange things that are just full of sugar uh, that people either love or hate. I love reality television. I have no idea why, uh, but I'm drawn to it. I will, I, I'm drawn to it. And uh, I'm not even gonna try to, to make you understand that. I, I've been married for 23 years. My wife, Christina, uh, is here and, and my daughter Camden who will be turning 17 shortly and I have a son named Carter who is 13. Uh, I can blow bubbles with my mouth and uh, I will not try to do that right now because that will be complicated. I'm a little dry. It may be difficult. I can kind of play the banjo and uh, long story why that is even in my repertoire, uh, but it is. And, and last but not least, I love sports. I love anything competitive. I mean, really, I mean, anything. You can, afterwards, you say, hey, let's play Pinochle. I'm like, game, let's do it. But I love sports. I, I especially love basketball. And so one of my favorite times of year is March Madness. And, and I know just from following Brad, it's one of his favorite times of the year as well. I mean, I love March Madness because you have the tournament brackets, you have the, the Cinderella stories, you have the passion, the, the buzzer beaters, you have the agony of defeat as well. I mean, it's just, it's awesome. And in 2021, the final team standing that got to cut the nets down that year were the Baylor Bears. I mean, if you watch that, I mean, they were super, super talented. But that really wasn't the main topic when the Baylor Bears were discussed. And here's a couple pictures uh, of them that year. Uh, it was such a fun team uh, to watch. The main thing that was talked about was, that, was the kind of culture that they created there. They called it a culture of joy. Jesus, others, then you. And it was evident through their love for one another. It was evident through the laughter and the enthusiasm they had with each other that they expressed. It, it, was, it was evident just how they played basketball. And Coach Scott Drew said this, the love and joy that these guys have is definitely a key to our success. Culture of joy. I mean, how cool is that? When they played and how they played, it was different. 
their joy was evident. Their love for each other and their love for the game of basketball was unique. It was noticeable. And it makes me wonder for us, do we emit a culture of joy through our lives? Is there obvious evidence of joy in our lives? Is there obvious evidence of joy in our relationships, in our work, in our free time, and in our hobbies? Is joy an expressed reality in our faith? You know, I'm excited to be teaching week two of this inconvenient sharing series. And, and this morning, we're going to be talking about sharing joy. And this series is rooted in what we find written by the Apostle Paul in Galatians 5, verses 22 and 23. And this is the New Living Translation. And it says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. And in that list, there we find joy. And I love that version because it clearly states who is producing such attractive and distinct and lasting fruit. It's the Holy Spirit. And with all this fruit that will be spoken about in this series, I think it is important for us to understand that you and I cannot manufacture this fruit on our own. We can't produce it in our own strength and through our own abilities. We can't fake it till we make it, right? Is that it is produced by God's spirit working in us and working through us. The fruit of God's spirit is this deep and authentic expression and evidence of God's mighty work within us. And joy is one of those expressions. But as we look at joy, we must bump up against a real tension in our lives and in our culture when desiring to experience it and express it. And that's our pursuit of, and I would say our infatuation with, happiness. We just love happy. We love happy, do we not? I mean, I blame Bobby McFerrin, don't worry, be happy. I'll get that song earwormed in you this morning, right? And the song by Pharrell Williams a few, you know, a few years ago, happy song, right? And here's the deal, I'm not against happiness. But many times we get happiness and joy confused. We treat them like interchangeable words, but they're not. One is the fruit of the spirit and the other is the primary aim of our culture. And working in pastoral ministry for over 20 years, I've heard sayings like this a lot. I just wanna be happy. I'm gonna do what makes me happy. You know, I remember being in children's church. I mean, it may, maybe it started there in Sunday school, children's church. If you're happy and you know it, clap your hands, right? Stomp your feet. I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, we're like, we know how to be happy. We want to be happy, right? But happiness can be a dangerous smokescreen for selfish motives and rebellious intentions. And I've witnessed many marriages destroyed because of one spouse chasing happiness. I've seen families uprooted in the name of happiness. I've seen lives detoured in the name of happiness. Addictions begin or rage because pursuing happiness. Lies covered up all in the name of happiness. Happiness is an easy idol to find in many people's lives. If I can just change my home, my job, my spouse, my possessions, my title, my income, then I will find what I'm looking for, right? You see, happiness is a temporal state 
It is a temporal feeling. It's a moving target. It is an elusive emotion. It comes and goes. Happiness is an emotion based on circumstances and outcomes. Happiness is an emotion based on circumstances and outcomes. And as those change, so do my happiness. It's interesting that happy is the Latin word for luck. I mean, happen chance, right? Happiness is determined by chance, things that are out of our control. And the tension is that we're tempted to base our well-being, our, our contentment, our identity, and our purpose on our happiness. But happiness is shifting sand, it's shaky ground to build anyone's life upon. And to be clear, God isn't against your happiness, but it's not his primary aim for your life. It's not his main concern. It's not the fruit that he desires to develop within his followers, but joy is. And that probably is why the Bible talks about joy and rejoicing over 500 times throughout the scripture. It's probably why theologian Lewis Smedes writes, to miss out on joy is to miss out on the reason for your existence. Meaning like, it's so important. It should be interwoven into who we are and what we're about. It's probably why C.S. Lewis said this, joy is the serious business of heaven. Meaning that there are eternal implications to joy being in our life and working through our life. And we see the significant distinction between happiness and joy. Joy isn't situational. Joy isn't based upon your circumstances. Joy is internal. Joy is lasting. Joy goes deep within our soul. And what's interesting is that you and I can have joy on the worst day of our life. We can possess and express joy in the midst of difficulty and in the midst of overwhelming circumstances. Joy is not chance, but joy is a choice. And we see the Apostle Paul write about this in 2 Corinthians 8. Verse one and two, it says this, and now brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. Now I'm gonna be honest, these are not words that normally we put together, right? Severe trial, extreme poverty, if we were to put equals, we would not put overflowing joy and rich in generosity, right? But that's where they were and that's what they exhibited. And you see joy on display through these churches that Paul is mentioning. Circumstances did not alter their joy. Circumstances didn't diminish it. Circumstances actually enhanced it, right? Ignited it. Joy isn't based upon our circumstances, on your circumstances. It's actually more clearly visible in our circumstances. Joy is much different than happiness. And the good news is that this true and lasting joy isn't something reserved just for a, a special few or professional Christians or, or just the elite. No, it is available and accessible to all who follow Jesus. And we're gonna look and get some insight through the scripture on how we can embrace and experience, experience lasting joy in our lives. And if you have your Bibles with you, go ahead and turn to John chapter 15. 
And we're going we're gonna to read this text that, that's probably very familiar uh, to you. John 15, verse 5. And these are the words of Jesus. He says this, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it'll be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Now, I, I have read and taught this, this passage many times, and, and I'll be honest that I, I've fully neglected to really kind of process and articulate and chew on verse 11 there. Because Jesus buttons up the first 10 verses of this chapter with the primary reason of why he is giving this truth and insight to them and to us. And he says this, and we'll read it again. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be complete. I mean, how awesome is that? I mean, Jesus wants his joy in us. He wants his joy in us so that our joy may be complete, not lacking anything, full of him, full of eternal perspective, full of peace, full of purpose, complete full of humility, full of service, full of love, full of life. In those first 11 verses of John 15, Jesus makes it crystal clear to how a follower of Jesus can experience his joy. Jesus uses the word remain 11 times in the first 11 verses. He's saying, here's how you do it. Remain in me. It's through relationship with me. It's through connection to me. It's through fellowship with me. It it is through a life that is doing life consistently with Jesus. And here's the first point is that joy is supplied through remaining. Joy is supplied to you when you remain in Jesus. And what Jesus is telling us is you and I will not produce the spiritual fruit like joy unless we stay connected to the root, the root being Jesus. Remaining in the root should be our priority and our main pursuit, not the fruit. We need to stay connected to the root. When we are intentionally and consistently remaining in Christ, listen, the fruit will be a natural byproduct of that. When we are aware and embrace that Christ is the source and the supplier of our joy, we should be all the more eager to invite him into the everyday ebbs and flows of our lives. You see, I think many times we try to produce the fruit without staying connected to the root. And we're very good at behavior modification in the Bible Belt, right? And we try to do our best to to be able to get through it and just force it, right? In our own abilities, we're going to try to get it done without Jesus. 
We try our own self-help tactics with a, with a touch of church and we're like, voila, we hope it happens, right? And no, we have to stay connected to the root. You see, Jesus gives us a very hard truth to swallow in verse, in verse five, especially for us strong and independent Americans. He says, apart from me, you can do nothing. I mean, I'm not sure that he can make it any clearer, right? right? I mean, apart from me, you can do nothing. Nada, zilch, right? Apart from me, it is not possible for you to perform, for you to produce the fruit that lasts. You know, a couple years ago, we, we bought a house and, you know, it's the beginning of, of COVID and we're just doing like the rest of everyone else is doing, move, right? And, uh, and we're, we're gonna buy something. I, I, I told my wife during that whole process is, you know what? I mean, we're either, we're either gonna get the house that we want and, and have the, you know, be able to create the space that we're wanting to create or Jesus will come back and it'll all be good. I mean, it's gonna be one or the other. It's gonna be one or the other. And, uh, but part of this house is we had a pool and I've never had a pool. Don't, don't know anything about a pool. And, and I remember, you know, you're excited about the possibilities. And I walked into one of the, the pool places and began to share, hey, I'm clueless, don't know anything about this pool stuff. And somehow I walk out of this pool place with this dolphin cleaner that cost a lot of money, way too much. It, it, was, it felt like a mattress purchase, right? You're like, Why did, what just happened? Uh, and uh, so I get this dolphin pool cleaner and and I'm so excited, it has an app, and I mean, I control it from my phone. I mean, there's just so many cool things. And I throw it in, and, and again, like, you know, kid of Christmas kind of deal, and, and here's first cleaning cycle, and I hit it, nothing. <laughs> and I mean, I'm like, okay, I, I understand over-promising and under-delivering, but this is far beyond that. This thing's not doing anything, right? And so I'm like, let's try it again, nothing. I grab it and get it out of the water. And then I, you know, you, you hit stuff. I don't know why you hit stuff to make sense. I mean, you guys know that. I mean, you, I literally hit everything to try to make it work. And so I'm hitting it and I throw it back in. It, it doesn't work. And at this point, it was like 45 minutes. And I'm like, man, I just want to see this thing shine. Like it was, it was created for greatness. It, was pro it promised me greatness. I just wanted to do it, fulfill it. And I go and I sit down and I look to the right to the, the dolphin little control panel. And I realized the cord from the dolphin was not connected to the control panel. And I'm like, stupid, stupid, stupid. <laughs> now, now here, here's, here's the thing, and this is why, why I share this with you. Without the connection present, that whole dolphin thing, that whole purchase, is a very expensive anchor or door holder, right? I mean, what could be won't be without the connection. The connection isn't just important, it's essential for the dolphin to do what it was created to do. And it is the same for you and me. And we get trapped into this thinking, well, the connection isn't that big a deal, right? remaining, shmaining, whatever. I mean, I, I, I've got this. I've been doing this church thing for a while. I, I get it, right? I can produce those attributes on my own, but here's the deal. Without a connection to Christ, you won't. Remaining connection to the source and the supplier 
of joy, which is Jesus, isn't just important. It's essential for the fruit of joy to flow out of your life. And and here's kind of a definition I have for joy is that joy is an inner gladness of heart that's rooted in Christ. And it's not dependent on outward circumstances. But let me tell you what it is dependent on. It's dependent on connection with Jesus. Galatians 5.25, just a, a couple verses after the fruit of the Spirit. Apostle Paul writes this. He says, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. And you know what that sounds like? That sounds like remaining. That sounds like connecting. That sounds like abiding. You see, remaining can look so many different ways for all of us in this room. Every one of us, we are all in different places in our journey. We are all wired differently. We all have different rhythms of life. So remaining doesn't have to look a specific way. But please understand, as happiness is a lot about chance, joy is a choice and remaining is a choice as well. We have to look at how we can orient our life, our rhythms to stay connected to the root, not for our assurance of salvation, but for our assurance of power and spiritual fruit and transformation to be a reality in our life. And remaining may look like patio time in the morning with coffee and God's word. It may look like a committed time of worship on your commute to and from work. It may look like you working through a version plan each day. It may look like intentional time of prayer and, and solitude in the morning or late at night. It may look like praying the Lord's Prayer the same time of each day. It can look a lot of different ways, but it will require consistency and intentionality to remain in Jesus. Remaining is a choice. Joy is supplied through remaining, but joy is strengthened through obedience. Jesus said, if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. Jesus is giving us another insight into living a joy-filled life, and it's found through obeying his commands. It's found through applying his truth into our lives. It's found through trusting his ways enough to follow them if and when they bump up against our comfort and our own sensibilities. And if you think these are just empty words for Jesus, you're mistaken. This is not, Jesus is not doing the old, do what I say, not what I do business, right? That's not what he's saying. He consistently lives this out. And I'm drawn to this text in Hebrews, Hebrews 12, verse one. It says this, let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith for the joy set before him. Sit there for a sec. <laughs> the joy set before him, he endured the cross scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Jesus embraced and experienced joy as he headed to the cross, which mind you was marked with betrayal, was marked with rejection, shame, physical pain. This joy was definitely not based upon Jesus's circumstances. It was internal, it was eternal. And it makes me think, why, why did he have joy as he walked that path? And let me tell you why. Because he was doing his father's will. He knew that he was going to carry out his father's mission by going to the cross. 
He was glorifying his father through this act of obedience. Joy is strengthened through our obedience. And I'll take it a step further. When we're living a life that is disobedient and indifferent to following God's truth, we are living with a shadow or a faint echo of the joy that we are called to carry and to experience. Listen, when our trust in God grows, when obedience to God and his word grows, joy has the freedom to grow in our hearts as well. And a lack of obedience in our lives, it just chokes joy out of our spirit. Disobedience is a joy stealer and obedience is a joy giver. You know, 2011, we planted a church called The Crossing and in the Bixby, South Tulsa area. And we were partnering with the church planning organization. And, and part of what they were doing at that time, we were like part of the pilot program, is as they started a stateside church, they were gonna simultaneously start a global church through Compassion International. And so as we launched in 2011, the whole goal was we launch, but also a church in Las Lagunas, Ecuador launches as well. And they would, they, would, they would house, that church would be the kind of the hub of compassion, which sponsors kids and, and does all the ministry through the local church. And, and so for us, I mean, what an exciting opportunity. And I remember I got a call and they're like, hey, we want you to come to Ecuador. We want you to be able to like see it, see the church, see the, the compassion project. Um, and, and we want you to come. We'll pay for it all. You don't have to worry about any of it. Just be a part of this trip. And I mean, it was obvious in that moment, God was opening doors, like free trip to be able to see that and be a part of that is like, God is in this, God wants me to go, doors are open, I need to step through the door now. I can't fully explain to you what was going on in my heart during that season, but I can tell you that I did not wanna go. I mean, I was, I was anxious. Kids were little. I didn't want to leave them. I mean, it was just, it was a lot of, I, I honestly, I, I don't know. I was worried. I was stressed. Uh, it was just a lot going on. And, and I remember, and if you've ever done this, you're doing like mental gymnastics on how you can justify not doing something, right? I mean, and, and maybe I'm the only one, but you're like, Okay, I mean, you know, Carter's got, he's presenting a volcano. I mean, I can't, I can't miss that. You know, you're trying to like, what can I do that will, that will make it a little better? And I mean, I was a week out of the trip and I'll be honest, I, I was probably still leaning no, not yes, a week out. Well, long story short is we, I went and I got to meet the, the girl, the, the first girl that we sponsored uh, Stephania there in Ecuador, flew to Quito, got to see Compassion Projects, got to see the work they were doing, which is just unbelievably incredible. And, and then got to see the church in Las Lagunas and really is a church on a hill. I mean, it really was kind of a city on a hill kind of deal for that, that community. And I, think, and I think of those moments with the pastors, with playing soccer with the kids, with them enduring my horrible Spanglish that I was trying to throw on them. I mean, there were so many, there were so many moments. Went to my, my sponsor child's home and got to see her home, meet her family. And I think that in the midst of that, man, I was overwhelmed with joy overwhelmed, like overflow. I mean, you're talking about Brad and Laura coming back, going to be like, you know, they're going to be overflowing with joy, right? But I think, what if I would have said no? 
What if I would have been like, ah, Lord, I hear you loud and clear, but uh, that's, a, that's a hard no for me, right? I would have missed out on that joy in my life and through my life. Now, here, here's what I learned, is that joy is on the other side of our decision to do what God tells us to do. Joy is on the other side of obedience. Now, that may seem like that big trip, like a bigger step of obedience, but each of us faces daily moments where we say yes or no to God. We say yes or no to God. So when you know what God desires you to do, do it. Joy is found on the other side of your obedience. When you know what God declares is right and true, walk in it, believe it, do it. Joy is found on the other side of your obedience. Listen what the writer of James writes in James 1.25, and this is the message version. It says this, but whoever catches a glimpse of the revealed counsel of God, the free life, truth, right? Truth, what we're supposed to do. Even out of the corner of his eye and sticks with it is no distracted scatterbrain, but a man or woman of action. Now listen to this. That person will find what? Delight and affirmation in the action. Whoever walks in obedience finds joy, finds delight on the other side of it. And maybe just maybe the reason you struggle with having the joy of the Lord in your life is because disobedience is far more common than obedience. Every step of obedience in your life is building strength for Christ-centered joy to take up residence within you. Every rep of obedience in your life is, is building this spiritual muscle memory, renewable strength for this race called life. Every rep of obedience is increasing your capacity for joy. So here's some questions. How are you doing when it comes to walking in obedience before God? Maybe, maybe God has been speaking to you about something specifically that he's, he's wanting you to trust him in. Maybe it's a something, maybe it's a someone. He's been bumping you. Could your lack of obedience be an issue to joy being a reality in your life? Joy is strengthened through obedience. And, and here's the last thing. Joy is experienced to be expressed. Joy is, it's, this, this is not a situation where we become hoarders of joy, right? And if you've ever watched Buried Alive or any of those shows, again, I like reality television, right? So I'm all over them. Uh, but, but this isn't a deal where like we, we experience the joy of God and then we're like, I'm gonna can that, uh, save that for later, right? I'm gonna box that up, put it in the back room. No, we experience it so we can express it. Uh, I watch those shows and I'm like, man, somebody could use a lot of that, right? You see all this stuff. Somebody could use that. And when I think about joy that we have experienced, guess what? Somebody could use that. Somebody could be impacted by that. Get it out of your room, get it out of your house, get it out of your life and express it to those around you. Sometimes I, I think we, uh, we forget Jesus's words to us in John 8. And it's interesting, or Matthew 5 actually, but in John 8, Jesus says this, says, I am the light of the world which is awesome. You're like, okay, Jesus, I'm with you. And then Matthew 5 in the Sermon of the Mount, he says, you are the light of the world. And you're like, hold up, right? And, but what, what happens there is this transition is like, okay, now he is in me. Now I am to be the light of the world. I am to be 
the joy of the world through Christ who is working in me and through me. What's interesting is that Jesus, he tells us to be carriers of joy. Don't keep it to yourself. Go and express what you have experienced. And you'll see throughout the New Testament, we're called, followers of Jesus are called ambassadors of Christ. Messengers of reconciliation, right? Uh, I, I, I like to see it as that we're the brand ambassadors, right, uh, of Jesus. And he wants us to be a living, a breathing, and a walking advertisement and billboard of his joy. We look back at that 2 Corinthians text that I mentioned earlier. They had overflowing joy that resulted in rich generosity. What's that tell me? They shared their joy. They expressed the goodness and the kindness of God with others. Not even when they had, because of their circumstances, plenty of justifications not to share anything. They shared it. They expressed the joy that they experienced with others, even in circumstances. Joy expressed, here's the deal, it's easy. It could be through kindness, a smile, being fully present with someone in good or bad times. It's visible through cheerful service, generosity, laughter, and sincere, no strings attached, love. This isn't about some inauthentic action or display of joy. This is about being mindful that the gift of joy that you and I have received through Jesus is to be shared with others. That there are people and places along our path, and there will be moments today, where you are called to share the joy that you have experienced with those around you. What's interesting, thinking about this message and sharing joy, I think about your pastor, Brad. He, uh, he invited me to play basketball with him at this, this uh, community center in the middle of Tulsa, and I went, and, and, uh, and he brings me in, and I mean, he's like high-fiving, and he knows everybody in there. Uh, everybody in there. He's introducing me, you know, take it easy on old Jeff, you know, this kind of stuff. And, but, but what's interesting is you realize really quickly that Brad was sharing and expressing the joy of Christ to everyone in that room, everyone in that place. It wasn't in a church. It was in a basketball facility in the middle of Tulsa, right? He's taking his joy on the road that Christ has worked within him to work through him. I think about that. I think about that because that's expressing joy. That's bringing the joy. I've got friends who love hosting people at their house. They love hosting parties. They love having people over, and it is always a place full of chaos, but full of laughter and full of love and full of generosity and kindness that they are expressing. Guess what? That's bringing the joy. That's expressing the joy that they have experienced in their own life. I think about middle school and high school students that I know of that go out of their way to include kids. Have them sit at their table. Give them a high five. They know their name. They make sure they're taken care of. Guess what? That is expressing joy that they've experienced through Jesus Christ. I mean, I, I, saw, I saw joy this morning in the volunteer teams throughout this church that are ready to serve, that are, that are ready to bless, that are, that are ready to, to give a smile and a high five and direction and insight, whatever's needed to serve. That is joy being expressed. And I, these, these neighbor nights are awesome because guess what, I, when I hear that, those are opportunities for this church to be carriers of joy, to express the joy of the Lord to their neighbors and to their neighborhood. Listen, you and I, 
are called to be carriers of joy. We're called to experience joy through Jesus so that we can express joy to others. We are called to joy. You know, there are a lot of things that we have an overabundance of in this world. A lot of banks, a lot of fast food chicken, right? A lot of mattress stores, a lot of car washes. I mean, there's, there's a lot of things we have an overabundance of, but I can assure you this world does not have an overabundance of joy-filled followers of Jesus. Actually, there's a shortage. So when you choose to share the joy of Christ, you will stand out. You will be noticeable. You will be set apart and distinct. You, you will be pleasing to your heavenly Father. And I have, there are, there are three prayers I'm gonna put up here. And I, my, my heart for you this morning as we land is choose one of these prayers to pray today. And the first one is, Lord, give me joy. And some of you are here and you've been, you have pursued happiness with all of your life and have came up short, you're empty. You have tried to go to a lot of different things to be the source and the supplier of joy for your life and you're thirsty. And so maybe for you, you have never entered into a relationship with Jesus and joy is Jesus, right? And so maybe today it is like, Lord, give me joy, which means give me Jesus. The second prayer is this, Lord, restore my joy. I'm reminded of David in Psalms 51, where, where he's praying and it's just a heartfelt moment in that, that text. And he says, restore unto me the joy of your salvation, right? Coming off failure, coming off a, a difficult season, David is crying out, I need that joy back. It was there, but it is not there anymore. And some of you may be here this morning and that's where you're at. You're like, man, I used to have that life within me. I used to have that, that power that was coming from God to be able to be kind or to serve or to, to laugh even. I do not have that joy. Lord, restore my joy. The third prayer is this, Lord, release my joy. And maybe you're just like, you know what? I have experienced it. I, I do possess it, I feel it, but I need to leverage it. Lord, I need to multiply it. I need to look for opportunities and ways that I can share it and express it to others. God, open my eyes. Give me an imagination, a holy imagination to be able to understand how my joy can be expressed to this world. And so my heart for you is choose one of those prayers this morning. Lord, give me joy. Lord, restore my joy or Lord, release my joy. God, we come before you. We thank you, Lord, for caring so much about us that you want your joy to be in us and you want our joy to be complete, God. And so God, I pray that you would help us resonate with one of these prayers. God, help us to sincerely and, and genuinely pray one, Lord. Even if we don't know what it means, even if we don't know where it leads, God, give us the courage to pray, God. God, we thank you for your love for us. We, we thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit, God, that you've left for us to be able to have the power and the ability to do the work that you have called us to do, to express the fruit of that Spirit, dear God. So God, move in our midst transform harm, transform our hearts and direct our lives. It is your powerful name we pray.